0: Hi guys and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today I had an interesting question from a listener. Um, I don't want to give too much identifying information in case she didn't want me to. But she is um, an older woman um, and she works with teenagers and she just wonders why it has gotten to be from her perspective that sex education has turned more into avoidance of assault and consent than it is about anything positive. And, um, I, I wrote her more of her question in the description and there was more than that, but that was the summary. And she also asked how I, as a mother of girls, I have two girls and a boy, um, and planning to teach my children about sex so that they can navigate confidently in relationships. Now, I think this is a great question. It's something that I think about and talk about all the time is how to be sex positive in your home so that your kids don't end up fearing sex. As somebody who is a couples counselor and an individual therapist, I see how when people are scared of sex and they have been taught negative attitudes about sex, and I'll link to something that I wrote about this, it can really mess them up and impede their ability to develop a healthy long-term or short term, any term, relationship with people that in a romantic way. If you are terrified of sex, you think that things are going to go poorly, and particularly for women if they think that men are predators, that how can this then just be how can this worldview then just be excised from your brain when you're married? It can't. If you are trained to think about men as predatorial, then you're going to continue to think about them that way even when you're married and it's really going to mess up your sex life and your ability to enjoy sex with your husband or with anybody and with any partner or by yourself, right? So what can you do in order to not come from a place of fear and avoidance? Well, oh, and also she was uh, talking about how You know, um, even if a man kisses a woman without consent, then this can be considered assault and and all of these different things, which is, of course, very strong. On the one hand, this sort of rhetoric is now completely normalized. You're like, oh, my God, he kissed her without consent. And then it's like, oh, wait, did I, was I, I'm 40, was I ever asked for consent before somebody kissed me? No was any of or any of my listeners I doubt it unless I got some young ones so usually you in, in in previous years it was thought that you could say no or pull away to a kiss I know I've done my share of that I would imagine my female readers have as well and probably even some men so when you don't want to kiss somebody you would just say no but the idea of them asking for your permission was not really in the cards I myself um, thought that that was like ruin the mood. Um, and I have many women in my practice who think the same thing that would not, do not like to be asked various things. This may be a generational, I, this is definitely a generational difference because it seems like teenagers take this now as as a default uh, or, or college kids in liberal arts colleges who are the youngest young adults that I speak to. But I can't imagine that everybody is like turned on by that or that everybody is like able to um, verbalize their desire, especially because everybody's always drunk when they're a teenager and a young adult. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that the idea of women being scared of men is, I don't think that that's where this whole... Uh, social experiment is supposed to end like I feel like the pendulum is swinging maybe it'll swing backwards to something more in the middle where you can yet again kind of kiss somebody try to kiss somebody if you want and they could say no if they want you know that was hardly um, a traumatizing experience for me or for any of the you know many friends that I had who this happened to somebody tries to kiss you you don't want to you know so this this comes full circle to what I want to teach my girls about sex certainly consent is important but so is like the fact that you should be able to talk about sex you're the man should not have to ask you for your consent in my mind in my mind that's already an issue you then are not, so sometimes they say enthusiastic consent, and that's more like it. But what's with the consent part? What about just enthusiasm? People know when the other person wants to um, have sex, hopefully, because the other person can talk about it. Which brings me to that. I want my girls to be able to verbalize their feelings about sex and about physical contact so that it isn't a big mystery where there could be potential misunderstandings. I certainly do not believe that all of the drunken boys who who think that they have consent and don't are monsters. I, I don't know anybody who does believe that. Um, I think that there are a lot of misunderstandings, and I think certainly some people are tremendous assholes, you know, but that that's always. So, I think that many times, like in the situation that she was talking about, a boy tried to kiss a girl. She, he did not get consent. And then he was um, excluded and made a pariah uh, by everybody because apparently he was a big monster for doing this. In this situation, if the norm is to ask for consent, okay, does every teenager do that? Or do some of them just try to kiss somebody like, you know, like everybody used to do always? So, I mean... I, I think that people have to take a commonsensical middle ground, but protecting your daughters is really the point of, of teaching anything about sex, in my mind, should be to give them a whole range of feelings, not just fear. Fear, like a little bit of fear, like don't um, go out with a man from the internet that you've never met before and let him buy you a drink. Um, Don't do that. You know, tell your friends where you're going. You know, tell me where you would be going, even if you're older. Uh, check background check somebody, not like background check like insane, but I mean, you know, Google somebody. <laughs> I mean, there are sort of commonsensical sorts of things to avoid a very bad situation, but Also, sex is good. Sex is fun. Sex brings you closer. Sex can be transformative in a relationship. Sex is something that people do to connect, to relax, to make a baby, all sorts of positive things. It's so funny to me that so many parents talk about consent and how to say no, but they don't talk about how to say yes. They don't talk about what pleasure is. They have never talked to their daughter about an orgasm, but they're talking about many myriad ways to say no to any sort of physical contact. I don't know if people just forget what it is to be young, but when you're young, hopefully you want to have physical contact with somebody that you're attracted to. This would overall be good. When people are very scared of this en masse, it probably speaks to some deficits in how society is conceptualizing sex. So young girls being very scared of sex and perceiving boys as extremely monstrous and aggressive and all potential rapists is I feel and most mothers of sons feel and women who like men feel that this is really not the majority of people at all. The majority of males do not rape women. You know, I mean, that's just they also don't mug people on the street. They don't assault other people. You know, just like the majority of women are not any negative stereotype of women. They're not frigid, for example. I mean, I think calling most men rapists, same as calling most women frigid. It's insane. It has nothing to do with reality. And it has nothing to do with individuals or even with majorities or large majorities of people. So what a girl needs to do, so, so let's say it's this sort of situation where a girl does not want the guy to kiss her. She should have already been talking about physical contact, sexual desire, various situations that might happen at home so that she knows well, sometimes a boy tries to kiss you and you don't want to. So you say, no, no, thank you. I think I'd rather be friends. And you could even role play that if you'd like, but only as long as you say the other side of it. What happens if you're really attracted to a guy that you meet and you want to go home with him? Well then, you can and it might be a lot of fun. Of course, you would use protection. Of course, realize that that might not turn into your boyfriend. But if you would like to do that in college, yeah, you can do that. People do that. That could be the one of the best nights ever. You know, and that could end up being your husband or it could end up being one of the best nights with a guy that you never talk to again. Of course, you would use a condom and here's the reasons why. So what about that? That's a positive framing of what a sexual encounter could look like. If everything is about stop and no and how to protect your um, uh, fragile daughter, how are they going to feel? They're going to feel fragile and they're not they're strong they have sexual desire most of their poz- of, of their interactions are likely statistically going to be positive most people do not get raped on their dates you know and if, if you are somebody who is um this, this is like um, as controversial as when I try to tell people who are very anxious, your child probably not going to get kidnapped. Let's look at the actual statistics on kidnapping. Probably not going to happen. Strangers do not kidnap kids just, you know, every day at the supermarket. It doesn't happen. You hear about it when it happens because it's so rare. And you could read more about this in the book, uh, Free Range Parenting by Lenore Skenazi. I can link you to that. But also... Most humans that go on dates don't end up sexually assaulted, you know, and they don't really end up having a bad time. And if they start to have a bad time, they could say, no, stop. And if they start to have a good time, they could say, yes, more. They could say they like it. So the odds of going out when I was in my 20s, for example, I dated a lot. It was my friends dated a lot. It was not thought of that this would be somehow bad or treacherous. And most people had the same experience. You go out, you date. Sometimes you like the guy, sometimes you don't like the guy, but what we weren't was we weren't scared of the guys, you know? So that seems to be kind of a difference in, I don't even know if it's how young people feel or it's how uh, parents are terrified for their kids to go out and potentially be assaulted. I don't really know, but I know that getting a date and going out with a guy was fun, positive. One's parents generally thought it was positive as well. And then you didn't tell your parents about the part where you went home with the guy, but that to your friends and you was also considered positive if it happened, that that would be a positive sexual encounter. I would really hope for the same for my daughters if they decide to have sexual encounters with men that they would go into it thinking the best and knowing how to communicate their desire. It's interesting because the people that are in my practice that had high school relationships, high school sexual relationships, were the very, are are the people that are the most comfortable with sex. You know, and that's because you got a long time of heavy petting where you really can't always take off all your clothes and you have to kind of look for places to go and you're really just kissing a lot. And this is what is this? It's foreplay. So a lot of women enjoy those are their favorite sexual encounters in their life were the ones that were basically extended foreplay with high school boyfriends. Would I and and then when sex started, plenty of people like that, too. Right. So would I want to cut off my daughters from some sort of a positive sexual experience? Certainly not Certainly wouldn't have wanted that to happen to me You know and i think that the what the listener is referring to about like you know this kind of fear based rape avoidance model could potentially cut many people off from enjoying their sexuality and understanding that sex is pleasurable which then is an attitude that could potentially negatively impact their marriages and later relationships of all sorts because they're coming into it assuming that there's going to be danger Just like any anxious worldview, when you assume something's going to be unsafe, you act in a negative um, protective way and nobody wants to have sex with somebody who has their guard up. And if you're always taught that sex is bad or could potentially harm you and that you have no recourse but to wait until somebody asks your consent and then hopefully say it in a way that they understand, no. I mean, this, this isn't reality. Reality is, is that sex could be a beautiful, loving, fulfilling thing. And if you talk about it like that to your kids, then you can also say, oh, by the way, sometimes you won't like what's going on. So then you say, no, stop. And by the way, also, when uh, the reader asked about navigating relationships and male attention with confidence, I don't see why it would be bad in any way to receive a compliment from somebody about your looks. I mean, this didn't used to be a bad thing. It's certainly a bad thing if, if somebody calls out, hey, sweet tits, you know, like as you're walking by a construction site. Although, I mean, you know, again, this didn't used to be. That terrible, in in my experience, this was kind of just something that happened. It felt more, uh, it, it, if somebody was like following you on the street and continuing to scream things. But again, this is not the average situation. Those are certainly scary. But I'm talking about if somebody says... Wow, you're really hot. I I work with some younger men that are at college age and a little bit after college. Again, not the majority of my caseload, but some of them, they're terrified to say anything about a girl's looks because they don't want to be seen as creepy. And I do not want to raise daughters who feel that any sort of compliment about their looks is creepy because it's not, nor do I want to raise a son who thinks that. People really have to be attracted to their partners for things to work. And I see this constantly in my couples counseling practice in fact I just recently did a podcast about one of my popular articles Men have to think their wives are really hot for things to work. So they don't have to silently think that their wives are hot. They're allowed to say it and most women like to hear it. So also that's kind of what distinguishes a friend from a sexual slash romantic interest is the attraction variable. This can be spoken, you know, and so in this regard, I'm a hell of a lot less worried about my girls than I am about my son because if you say the wrong thing, you know, you get just as asked. ostracized as uh, the kid who tried to kiss the girl that didn't want to kiss him. That was in my reader's example. So it's, a, it's interesting because a lot of guys now are trained not to give compliments But then the women don't really know who if the guy likes them and they don't start to feel that um, arousal that comes from being pursued. The number one thing that the women in my practice want from their partners is to feel pursued and desired. How can this happen when we're training a generation of men never to focus on looks? Uh, Women don't feel pursued and desired from a man saying you're really smart trust me. I was thought of as really, really smart always. I was really always very smart from childhood. And until I hit teenage years, later teenage years, earlier teenage years were not so attractive. And guys started to say that I was attractive. Only then did I feel good about my ability to be in a relationship. Because nobody wants to be in a relationship just because they think somebody's smart. Men don't and women don't. But when somebody thinks you are smart and hot and nice, then they do. So I will also be training my girls to know how to graciously accept compliments and not think they are gross or shallow. And a lot of this, by the way, is just by modeling graciously accepting compliments and being in a loving relationship where this stuff is discussed. So if my husband says you look beautiful and my girl's here and see that I like that and I say thank you and that that's a nice thing, then that I try to look nice for my husband, he tries to look nice for me, then this is thought of not as superficial and stupid but as something that people do in a relationship because they are attracted to each other and they value maintaining that attraction. So basically, my point is this. I read the statistic that 43% of first-year drivers get into a car crash, right? So compare this to the statistic that 20% of women have experienced an attempted or completed sexual assault. So with driving, hopefully you don't tell your child you could crash, you could crash, you could die, you could get into a fatal car crash. In fact, it's close to half, you know, half of a 50% chance that you're going to, then your child's not gonna drive, right? (laughs) And your child will be terrified to drive. They will not engage in the world. They will be frightened. And this is really resonant for me because I grew up in a house where both parents were too anxious to drive. And that informs their the, growing up in an anxious house, as I've written about, informs a lot of my perspective. And in psychology, we talk about having an approach motivation versus an avoidance motivation. Sex is is a wonderful example. If you want an approach motivation, you're talking about sex is positive here all the positive things that could happen if it's an avoidance of fear and pain then then that's a totally different approach and you're looking at sex through a very negative anxious lens i want my children to have an, a, an approach mentality for life trying new things living to the fullest experiencing everything that humans can experience not assuming things are going to go poorly sure you can say sometimes things go poorly and here's what to do that's like what they say in driver's ed but in driver's ed they don't constantly say and you're going to get into a crash and the statistics show that you're going to get into a crash and so what you got to do is you only have to drive under these certain conditions and on this certain way and you got to be keep your wits about you constantly If you had a driver's ed teacher like that, you would end up with an anxiety disorder. You want to get behind the wheel of the car, see that it's fun, see that things work out, see that you can get places, see that you can go see your friends. Yes, you got to be careful, fine, but it's also really fun. So sex is the same kind of thing. Now, if kids are not ready to have sex, cool. But if they are ready to have sex, especially as they get older and they're not kids, they're actually, you know, uh, the age of young adults, then I do feel that a positive framing really, really does wonders for them in terms of later intimate relationships going well and being healthy and being positive and fun and exciting versus based on uh, avoidance and fear and, oh my God, somebody's going to do something terrible to me. So that is what I think, listener, and thanks for writing in with your question, and hopefully that addressed it, and again, um, I will link to some of my uh, sites on anxiety and on negative attitudes towards sex, and if anybody else has any sort of questions or topic suggestions, please let me know. I will be happy to get this right out to this listener that asked me about it right away. And I will talk to everybody soon. Thanks so much.